Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. We're going to have to talk to some Lydia's. We're going to have to talk to some people who were not born in this, don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't dress like us, don't work where we work, don't go to the same school, don't identify like us. There are Lydia's out there that can help this thing called the way this Christianity thrive and survive. We just have to be willing to talk to them. Amen. Let's get into the word. Today's message is going to come from the book of Acts, the 16th chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 9 through 15. Again, that is the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. I'm going to be reading uh, the New International Version. Um, let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we went out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of the, those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of the household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, we are in wonder and awe of how great you are. And even as great as you are, you still take the time out to love little old us. You know the number of hairs we have on our head. You know our thoughts. You knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. Lord God, we come before you as humbly as we know how to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord God. Let this be a work unto you and not unto man. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. For the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about a call to Macedonia. 
a call to Macedonia. In um, preparation for this sermon, I wanted to look up an article I recalled from several years ago about a janitor uh, donating several million dollars to an organization um, after they passed. I didn't remember the name of the school or the institution offhand, um, you know, and so when I went to search online for it, I found out that the reason I didn't remember which one it was is because this has happened a bunch of times. Uh, in 2014, uh, Ronald Reed of Battleboro, Vermont, passed away at the age of 92. He was a janitor. Uh, but his estate donated $4.8 million to the local hospital and $1.2 million to Brooks Memorial Library. In 2004, uh, Genicio Molashi donated two, he was a janitor as well, he donated $2.3 million to the University of Great Falls in Montana. And so I started searching online more and more because I had just looked up, you know, janitor donates to university a uh, million dollars or something like that. And, and I started looking some more and I saw more and more many interesting occupations leaving multi-million dollar uh, donations to institutions and no one even knew that these people had that kind of money. Everyday people who were minding their own business and working quietly like Thessalonians says, and, and, and uh, you never know what these people are capable of. Uh, the adage says you don't judge a book by its cover. Um, I read a book a while ago called The Millionaire Next Door, where they interviewed a bunch of multi-millionaires and trying to figure out what kind of food they like to eat, where they shop for their clothes, and, and what kind of cars they drive. And something was surprisingly shocking about all of them. Um, they, they drove a lot of used cars and sedans and trucks, nothing flashy. And, and uh, they bought clothes from places like Walmart or Target, and they didn't uh, when they wanted to interview all of these millionaires, they put out all kinds of spreads with caviar and, and uh, all kind of expensive food for the interviews. And most of them said, I don't really eat that kind of stuff. You could have had some hot dogs and hamburgers out here. The point is, you never know what kind of talent you are around, what kind of talent anyone is capable of. People are capable of doing big things, and you never know it. We have a story about someone that is capable of doing big things in the book of Acts. And this someone who is capable of doing big things uh, would have been looked over by normal circumstances. But the Holy Spirit had a different plan. Uh, the book of Acts follows the outgrowth of the Christian church after Christ has ascended. 
In the text, we are following Paul around, the same person that wrote the gospel according to Luke, wrote the gospel uh, or wrote the book of Acts as well. Um, and so they write from let's follow Paul around and see what Paul is doing. Um, and this story is funny because Paul actually did not have plans to go to Macedonia. And he was trying to go a bunch of other different places uh, multiple times, but stuff would happen. And, and, and he was not trying to go to Macedonia. But no matter what would happen, they got wherever. If, if, if God said it was time to go to Macedonia, he was trying to go elsewhere and the Holy Spirit would block that trip. And he wouldn't be able to go. And so finally, that's why the text says uh, in, in, um, in verse 10, it says they concluded that maybe they should go to Macedonia. Um, and so Paul was not trying to go there. And he had good reason in his mind. First off, um, there was not a lot of Jewish people in Macedonia. Um, there was controversy on top of that about even preaching to Gentiles. This, this Jesus thing, this, this Messiah, this Savior was supposed to be the completion of, of the Jewish faith. They were prophesying that a Savior was going to come and when that Savior came, everything was going to be all right. And it was supposed to be just for the Jews. And so they didn't want them preaching to people who were not born into the Jewish faith. Uh, there was controversy about preaching to Gentiles. And then Paul and Barnabas disagreed on where they were going to preach next. So they split ways. Uh, and Paul wanted to go to Asia. But the Holy Spirit kept blocking him from coming. And so finally, he has this vision of a man telling him to come to Macedonia. Ancient Greece uh, uh, was, compro was composed rather of two Roman provinces, Macedonia in the north and Achaia in the south. And Philippi was founded in 356 BCE, there'll be a test later, uh, by Philip of Macedon, father of Alexander the Great. But it remained an insignificant village until it was, quote unquote, rediscovered by Emperor Augustus as an ideal place for retired army officers who had faithfully served him during the Battle of Actum in uh, 31 B.C. So retired military people lived there. Macedonia was a town made up of elites and land-owning farmers, and, and, and pension colonists, and skilled workers, and, and merchants, and service uh, providers, and enslaved people. Um, and one of those citizens happened to be a successful businesswoman named Lydia. And Acts tells us that the Lord opened her heart eagerly to listen to what was said by Paul. She accepted the good news that Paul was sharing, and both she and her household were saved. And because she and her household were saved, uh, 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 she offered hospitality 
to them, basically saying in verse 15, if you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. Some translations say if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord and they accept it. Lydia was important. Lydia was a big shot, but she may have been looked over because she wasn't Jewish and she wasn't a a man. We know Lydia was important uh, because she had a name. Think about how many people don't have a name in the Bible, particularly women. Uh, Think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, what about Jairus' daughter? Uh, what about the woman with the issue of blood? Uh, you remember Lot's wife? Uh, Pharaoh's daughter? Um, we admire the generosity of the widow with the two mites. And we talk about the woman at the well. We just don't know their names. But we do know Lydia's name. And Lydia is a Greek name. So Lydia was not born Jewish. She was not born into the faith. Uh, which is also evident because the text calls her a worshiper of God. The text calls her a worshiper of God. You know, that seems to not be a big deal in English. But they made me go to this school and spend all this money in seminary, seminary where I had to learn some of these things. And, 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 and when they say worshiper of God in the text, that would kind of be somebody who uh, is on the fence, is learning about what's going on, but we haven't let them into the in club yet. They're not in the in crowd just yet. And they're likely not in the in crowd because their mama wasn't Jewish. Amen. And so Lydia... Uh, was a worshiper of God. We read that and it means that they're not born a believer, but they learned about God later and they started trying to follow him. They still end up getting treated a little differently uh, because they were not born in the faith and living it all their lives. We also know that Lydia is not at a synagogue. Uh, Watch the text. It says that they went outside of the gate to find a place to pray. Uh, some uh, Verse 13 says, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Not a synagogue, but a place of prayer. Um, during the biblical uh, time, you needed a certain number of Jewish men to be living in the city before you could have an official synagogue. You needed a quorum of Jewish men. And so if you didn't have that quorum 
of Jewish men, it was just a place of prayer. And so Macedonia did not have a big enough population to make the cut. Nevertheless, Lydia is still there out by the water looking to worship the Lord. You don't need a church. You just need the people. You don't need the building. You just need the people. Lydia's a business owner as well. And a rather successful business owner. I, I can tell that she's a successful business owner because the text says that she dealt with purple cloth. Uh, which is important because the only people that wore purple during that time were royalty and wealthy, powerful people in society. Everybody couldn't just wear purple back in the day because they liked the color. Lydia had a business and it was successful and it had high-end clients. Not only that, but Lydia had a house. Uh, the text says that Lydia said, come to my house. Not my husband's house, not my son's house. Come to my house. Um, Lydia is important. Lydia became the first European convert to Christianity. And she was received into the Christian faith with no concern about purity or her past or even her gender. Uh, the believers baptized Lydia and her household. The Believers baptized Lydia and her household. I'll say it one more time for clarity. Uh, uh, the believers baptized Lydia and her household. Back then, when the head of the house got baptized, so did the rest of the family. The spouses, the children, the workers, if they had slaves, they had servants, whatever, everybody, Lottie, Dottie, and D. The head of house got baptized, the rest of the household got baptized with them because it was about living in Christian community. And if there's anybody that is looking to possibly get ordained as an elder or a deacon in uh, the United Methodist Church, Acts 16 is a great scripture to have in your back pocket when they ask about why we baptize babies. Because it's about welcoming them all into the community and the Holy Spirit is doing the work. Uh, but she opens up her house to Paul in Philippi of Macedonia and her house when it's opened to Paul and his companions becomes the base of operations for the church in that area. Lydia, a European woman not born into the Jewish faith 
establishes one of the most influential Christian churches in that time. Lydia's an outsider. Lydia is a stranger. Lydia is an immigrant. You see, in, in, in many congregations, welcoming strangers from foreign lands and unfamiliar cultures is a challenge. But across America today, immigrants are coming to church. Strangers are coming to church. Outsiders are coming to church, just as they always have. But where the previous waves of immigrants were predominantly European, these new arrivals are coming from non-Western countries with cultures and skin colors that are alien to the established culture. And sometimes these newcomers uh, rattle the established churches by introducing new worship styles. And new worship styles are not always well received. But if we want the church, both the local church and the worldwide church, to thrive, we're going to have to talk to some strangers. We're going to have to talk to some Lydia's. We're going to have to talk to some people who were not born in this, don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't dress like us, don't work where we work, don't go to the same school, don't identify like us. There are Lydia's out there that can help this thing called the way this Christianity thrive and survive. We just have to be willing to talk to them. And the first step in overcoming this challenge is to expand our outreach to people of different races and cultures based on the understanding of Genesis 1 and 27 where it says, let us make man in our image that everyone is made in the image of God. Uh, uh, author and pastor John Pavlovis says, when you meet another person, you are coming face to face with a once in history, never to be repeated reflection of the image of God. And if God is God, there's no other option. They are each made of God stuff. Every single day, you encounter thousands of animated, breathing, walking, talking, Images of the divine. Whether they are black, white, Native American, Asian, European, African, Latino, the person is made in the image of God. And in the eyes of God, everyone is welcome. So we got to talk to some strangers. And we need to practice genuine Christian hospitality, showing the same kind of welcome that Jesus showed the people of his day. And we do this by sitting down with folks that are on the margins of society, just as Jesus broke bread with tax collectors and sinners. Those people were not high on the totem pole in Israel. 
tax collectors skimmed off the top and made additional funding for themselves, overcharging those people. They weren't very welcome in the community. Such a welcome requires a commitment to embrace all people as God embraced us in Christ. It involves a willingness to see everyone as a child of God, a sinner from whom Christ died, a person bearing the image of God, no matter how obscured that image may be through personal sinfulness or societal prejudice. Lydia did this well. She opened her house to Paul and to others because just like Paul could have overlooked Lydia because she was a Greek woman not born into Judaism. Lydia could have overlooked Paul. Who is this stranger coming into my city? Who are some Lydias that we can bring to our tables? Lydia had a lot to offer and had people been sticklers for rules and traditions, she might not have ever been a help to the church. Genuine hospitality is practice when we learn to offer meals where people can gather around tables, where people can have conversations, and where people can lead and develop relationships. And a genuine welcome is experienced when newcomers then get into small groups where they can grow in faith and deep-spirited friendships. You know, I'm, I'm not one uh, to badmouth a megachurch. Won't do it. Because I know, having grown up in some of them and worked for others and have an opportunity to experience them, that whether it is... 10 members or 10,000. It's the relationships mm -hmm. that make those churches thrive. Mm -hmm. So the small groups, the ministries, the work of the, the, work of the church is where they go and, and people don't really quit church in my opinion. They quit people. And so whether your church is five or 5,000, or 50,000, if you don't grow in Christian community. Over and over in the Bible, it talks about getting into a relationship with the people. Even when they asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, he said to love uh, uh, the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And a second is like that, like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. We have to be able to work with one another. We must listen for our call to Macedonia and go out and find a way for the church and the kingdom of God. Who are the Lydias that we can invite to church? Who are the Lydias that we can talk to? Who are the people that we don't normally even give the time of day that could use some Jesus? Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for the word that went forth and the word 
uh, that was planted as a seed. We ask that it be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest. That it'll produce that harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. That your Holy Spirit will do its work in people and that those that have a desire to, to know Christ will ask, what must I do to become saved? Help us to look for the Lydia's in our own lives and give them a chance. Have that conversation. Build that relationship because we're doing it for you. Help us to realize that while somebody might be a Lydia to us, that we are also a Lydia to somebody else. Forgive us for any sins that we have committed by word, thought, or deed against your divine majesty and help us to forgive others, Lord God. Help this word go forth and do a work for your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.